0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: Welcome to Political Pursuits, the podcast. I'm Lou Ann Anderson, your host, and so happy to be with you here today. Also, joined today by C.J. Grisham, my friend, my colleague, and just a favorite person to hang out with and talk politics with. You know, CJ, this time of year here, we're getting ready for the holidays. That should be what's top of everybody's mind. You know, I got a list. I'm checking it. I'm looking at who's naughty and nice. But right now, (laughs) my naughty list is really overwhelming, my nice list. And it seems to center largely in about six states here in the U.S. because we're less than a week out from Christmas. But I'm still kind of stuck back on November 3rd. How about you?
2: I don't know. I guess I'm glad it's not just me that this Christmas seems a lot different than previous Christmases. I mean, we didn't even put up a tree this year. Just be, just haven't felt like it. And I wonder if that's a lot of this has to do with all the nonsense that's going on. And our lives have been uprooted by not only the, the virus, but the political responses to it. And then, of course, the elections in there and the political responses to that. And so it's it's just kind of hard to get in the festive spirit
1: i think i think that we have this year everybody has experienced a lot of noise in their life yes noise with regard to the virus what do you believe what's the most prudent course of action you want to be smart but at the same time do you really want to give up everything that some quarters of government are telling you you need to give up in order to ensure the safety of yourself your family and then we come to this election, and it's hard for me to believe that Joe Biden could have won. But I'm open. Convince me.
2: Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I, I actually did not have a dog in the game this election. I, uh, I'll i admit it. I couldn't find myself voting for either Trump or Biden uh, or even the Libertarian candidate, for that matter. I just—nobody earned my vote, and that's— what a politician I think has to do. Uh, too many people think, you know, one party or the other automatically deserves your vote. No, my, my vote is earned. And so the, uh, I have a stake in this just because I'm very freedom oriented. I'm very constitutional oriented. And there was a lot in our constitution that has been completely violated by those six states that are battleground states. And, and I would even say it's not even the six states necessarily. It's, it's the metropolitan areas of these six states because the I kind of feel bad for, for example, Georgia. I've got a house in Georgia, and I've, uh, I was kind of raised in Jacksonville, Florida, right on the border there. And yeah. so I've been to Georgia many times. I love the people of Georgia. And, and they're kind of getting a bad rap for essentially Atlanta.
1: Well, and you see by virtue of these rallies and things going on, you see that there are plenty of Georgians who are up in arms and— totally, you know, just appalled at what's happening in their state. Right. Same in Michigan, same in Wisconsin, same in Arizona, as we're sitting here right now. I've got the TV on and there's a rally out in Arizona. And so, yeah, I, I think I think you're right in that it's, it's that always like it is, the few bad apples.
2: Yeah. And unfortunately, those few bad apples are uh, a big part of the voting block in these in some of these states, well, you...
1: these apples and their you know friendly worms right. have <laughs> insinuated themselves into the structure, the power structure of these counties. Yes, and so it doesn't take you know, the same way I've always said, you don't voter fraud doesn't have to be widespread, it needs to be targeted and calculated, right? It needs to be strategically executed in precise locations. When you've been a candidate, I've worked for candidates, when we know, when we're in a campaign and we're getting ready to go out and do block walking, we have a list showing us a street Yes. where you have a lot of likely voters for whatever party you represent, and those are the streets you're going to go target, those are the doors you're going to be knocking on because you want to talk to your likely voters. Right. Why, if you were trying to steal an election, are you going to do anything any differently?
2: Exactly. You're going to go to the places where you're going to
1: where, where, hopefully
2: be able to hide yes. it. But I think what that did, I think what the Democrats did is they really exposed their agenda by only targeting Democrat cities. And and suddenly these Democrat cities are uh, voting in wild numbers.
1: I, I'm sorry. Sometimes but, more than their population. Exactly.
2: Yes. I'm sorry, but nobody will ever convince, regardless of, even if uh, there wasn't as much. Obvious voter fraud. Nobody can convince me that Joe Biden, who even many members of the Democrat Party can't stand, um, got more votes than Barack Obama. I'm sorry.
1: I can't believe that he was big among dead voters. (laughs) Yes. You know, for a guy who's challenged to go in front of a mirror and be able to perhaps fog it up.
2: Yes, yes.
1: That's the one piece of it that I am kind of like, well, if the dead were eligible to vote, And if they did show up, Biden likely would be their guy. That's a good point. Yes, yes. Well, you know, as we're sitting here sharing our our different thoughts on this, this past week, Peter Navarro, who is the White House trade advisor, Ph.D. from Harvard in economics, uh, smart guy, kind of controversial here and there, but, you know, he, he is a smart guy. He's come out with a report, and I love it. The title is The Immaculate Deception Six key dimensions to voter irregularity, right? And it's it's an interesting look at how all six of these battleground states exhibit most or all of these six particular what he calls dimensions. And um, we can kind of go through each one of them. The first one is outright voter fraud.
2: So you know the thing the thing that I think everybody listening. I would hope would understand because the the Democrats for whatever reason are resisting any effort to look into stuff like this Navarro report. And I would, I would argue this, look, if you're a Democrat, you want, don't you want your guys? I know you want to win. I mean, Republicans want to win too. Um, but don't you want to win fairly? How can you, if you go out there, for example, even in college and you cheat your way through college and you finally get to where you're supposed to be? Do you think you're going to be successful in that industry? Probably not. And so, wouldn't you want whoever the president is to be to be successfully and rightfully elected? And the other thing is, why not if you were if you're so firm in believing there was no election fraud that it was that he won fair and square? What is the best way to stick it in the the, the face of Trump voters than to say, okay, open I- it up. Open it up and let's just prove these morons, these these uh, Trump supporters. Yeah, let's just prove them. Or see how stupid they really are. Look, here's the full report. What are you afraid of that you would be afraid to look into when there's this much? I mean, gosh, was it thirty something percent of even Democrats think that the election was stolen? Oh yeah,
1: no, it's it's crazy. It's um, I've got that here. Um, from a. From a a Rasmussen poll, 62% of Republicans are convinced it is very likely the Democrats stole the election, while 28% of independents and 17% of Democrats agree. But think about that number with the independents and the Democrats. When the CNNs, the MSNBCs, all of your newspapers, they're refusing, except for the Epoch Times, they're refusing to even cover... Even with a degree of partisanship, they're not even acknowledging all the activity that's going on. I would I would surmise that there's a lot of Democrats who may hear these rumblings about, oh, those idiotic Trump people, they just won't let it go. But yeah. they're not even given enough information on the regular corporate media sites that might even make them go, well, you know, That doesn't sound that far fetched,
2: right? I think all they're getting fed. If all you watch is CNN or MSNBC, then all you're getting fed is how the the Trump. There's absolutely no evidence, but yet Trump continues to fight this losing fight.
1: But if they, and if two, though they were given any. Any bit of the details. If somebody said, "Well, yeah, you know, there's all these idiots in Pennsylvania that keep saying they got these ballots sent to them that were un, you know, not requested," and then when they went to vote, they were told they had voted. Right. I think there's probably some Democrats that would be, well, you know, that's kind of funny because Joe over there across the street, he said the same thing happened to him, and you know, my friend, my friend, you know, George. He got a vote, he got a ba- an absentee ballot for his wife, and she's yeah. been dead for 15 years.
2: So you have to surmise that either the fact that 83% of Democrats don't believe that there was any fraud, they're either um, completely misinformed, miseducated, or they're just as corrupt as the system they're trying to protect. And I, and, and I quite frankly, find it very hard to believe that 87% of Democrats actually care or, or would endorse cheating like that i'm sure there's a lot of them but i don't think it's 87 percent. so th- therefore Correct. i have to go back to the misinformed um and the fact that they've been misled by the media
1: well and there are those people too that are just so naive that and maybe not real deep thinking but they're just so naive that it's like well that couldn't happen well right. that you know those things, things like that don't happen And, oh, yes, they do. Absolutely they do. Um, But, no, you know, Navarro in his deal, what he talks about is he said that all six of the battleground states exhibit most or all of these different, these six different um, election irregularity categories he's put together. He says that, however, each state has a unique mix of, of issues that might be considered more important, or to put it another way, All battleground states are characterized by the same or similar election irregularities, but like Tolstoy's unhappy families, each battleground state is different in its own election irregularity way. Now, of course, the six states that he's talking about are Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada. And that's what this report kind of uh, puts together, kind of a matrix of the six states. Dimensions and then goes across with each state, talking about what, um, you know, how how the how these particular characteristics manifested in these different states.
2: And those six um, those six areas were outright voter fraud, ballot mishandling, contestable process fouls, uh, equal protection clause violations, voting machine irregularities, and significant statistical anomalies. Right, And I I found it interesting that the two that were found indubitably or widespread in each state was the uh, contestable process and equal protection clauses where some counties were treated differently than others. In other words, Democrat counties were given more leeway than other counties. More urban and Republican counties. Correct. Uh, yeah, they were. They had votes.
1: two sets. They yeah, they had two completely different sets. Uh, well, they had the same sets of rules, but they were approaching them differently. Yes. And I would also mark uh, make note that in that contestable process, fouls which that involves things like um, that's things like abuse of poll watchers and observers, allowing improperly registered people to vote, Ill- illegal ballot curing. Um, and also with things like like um, different access for submitting ballots, because when I think about this contestable process fouls, that also brings to mind good old Mark Zuckerberg, yes. and his wife, who um, through their, their foundation, the Center for Technology and Civic Life, pumped 300 million dollars into this cycle. Now, son of a gun, it happened to go more to Democratic areas yes, than Republicans. Funny exactly. how that, I'm sure that was just a oh, yeah. mishap. All
2: of it is just an oversight. Yes, a yes,
1: yes. Yeah. So, um, but that money went in. So it was kind of like, ah, election 2020 brought to you by yeah. Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla <laughs> exactly. Chan. So, yeah, I don't know if next time around they're going to be looking for naming rights too. But what that money went in to do was to buy... All of these election drop boxes. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Now, these election drop boxes were theoretically supposed to have video cameras on them 24 hours a day or manned, so that the chain of custody of ballots could be documented. Well, I can't remember which state it was. Was it Pennsylvania Pennsylvania. where they had the video cameras were solar powered?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Not only that, you you see these guys, uh, these people that the box is just sitting there just like a regular mailbox out in the street. It's not being monitored at all, right. other than by a passerby who, uh, on some videos that I've seen, you know, you'll, a truck will pull up and start opening up the back of it, and they're just kind of throwing ballots in.
1: And then they're taken, and then and then they're taken away somewhere, somewhere who knows where, right. And who knows at what point, how much time has elapsed, or what who had access to those ballots during this said unknown period of time, or who
2: was depositing ballots into the box to begin with, right? So it's not like our our currency that is very difficult to fake. I mean, you get the right size sheet of paper and a copy machine, and you've got a ballot.
1: And indeed, there are lots of thoughts that those ballots were injected into the system, which is part of why you have had so much of this other kind of um, process fouls with the the, uh, poll observers being kept away. Right. You know, in Michigan— In Wayne County, they're putting up big pieces of cardboard or butcher paper or whatever over windows so that the poll watchers can't see. That speaks to the fact that, yes, those ballots wouldn't be that difficult to duplicate, and maybe that's why there are certain parties that don't want other parties.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. Ah.
3: <sighs>
1: to get too close to them. And what
2: plausible reason can somebody give that that's a good idea? What, What rational basis is there for not allowing people to see into the process of counting ballots? We're not talking about classified secrets here. This isn't top secret nuclear data. We're talking about people literally just counting ballots. And you don't want people to see that? Why? Yeah. What and rational it's, And reason. it's not a
1: name. Name isn't right. affixed. I mean well, there's the no practice. information ballot there. In the yeah, and the mail in ballots that they would be, but there has to be a certain I mean, as a poll worker, you take an oath. Yeah. That you're gonna faithfully execute I can't remember exactly the verbiage, but I know I've been on our um, I've been on our election board that oversees the absentee ballots. And yes, we take an oath saying that we will faithfully execute the laws, you know, in a, in a fair manner. And so there has to be, you know, that allowing people in. Right. But then to all of a sudden say, oh, but only you and you, not you.
2: Right. Or kicking people out in the middle of the night and then staying back and continuing to count votes. Why right. would you do that? Yes. It, you can't tell me that you there's a good reason for it. Oh, well, yeah, we kicked everybody out, but don't worry, everything's safe. I'm sorry, but there's... Where's the argument in that? It doesn't make any sense.
1: And it's easy for people to tag, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist when when you come up with these these, you know, implausible scenarios of how things were happening. But I don't know. We're talking about the idea that that fake ballots could be infused in a system and here at the at the counting locations, people are being kept for a distance so they can't get up close to see these ballots. And at the same time, then we got old Jesse Morgan, the U.S. postal worker, uh, subcontractor who drives a truck, who goes up to New York for his regular run, and that night they're reloading these Gaylords into his truck, and in there he can see there are stacks and stacks and stacks of printed ballots. Yeah. and he drives them down to where oh Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania right and then his trailer disappears and so then when you have these people <laughs> these poll watchers in Pennsylvania that aren't allowed to get a real close look at ballots and you have a hundred and forty four thousand or whatever the difference is at the end of the day um,
2: yeah because each state uh, yeah
1: no I guess it's about eighty thousand. But um, it's eighty thousand. It's one hundred and fifty for Michigan. That's the one that's the largest. Yes. But, yeah, it's like, okay, I don't think I have to be a conspiracy theorist to just be a intellectually curious person who says, ah, Jesse's story is interesting. And I mean, this guy, you know, he came at the at the um, news conference where he was introduced to the public by the Amistad Project. I mean, they said. Jesse's Jesse's a felon. He's been to jail. He's had some trouble in his life. He admits it, but he's done his time. He's made his peace. Yeah. And he's been living a good productive life here. So, you know, yeah, go look for the things to trash him. And he didn't have to do this. Like you, I don't it doesn't he's not a Trump supporter, and it doesn't sound like he voted either. Right. But he says my brother was in the military. My brother fought, so that we could have honest government and fair elections. And what I saw makes me wonder: was that happening? You
2: know, in each of the countries, uh, so Iraq and Afghanistan I've been into, but or been to, but also in some of these other countries that we've helped re reestablish their governments and their voting process, I, I find it odd that there's no such thing as mail-in ballots when when we're helping to oversee foreign country uh elections to make sure they're fair but yet here we're doing that right and and i can understand it in very rare circumstances and and that for example you know if i'm in the military and i'm deployed during an election year i i have to be able to to vote somehow um but even then out of all the years i've never been home i've had to vote absentee my entire life just about right um and I know for a fact at least two times uh my ballot was never counted or received as as me not voting. And and that's just two out of twenty. Uh or twenty years, so I guess that's what, uh ten elections maybe. So that's twenty percent.
1: It's always bothered me that it seems like the military ballots are often less left to the end to count. Yeah because well, you know, we may not really need to count them. Because right. if it wouldn't affect If the number of overall ballots aren't enough to affect the outcome, then eh, do we really need to count it? Exactly. Well, I kind of understand that rationale, but as a respect to our military (laughs) members who are out there on a daily basis defending our right, our ability to have this election, it's kind of like, you know, for all the other BS things that government spends time and money on, you know something, suck it up and count the damn ballots.
2: Right, and 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 you can't. Part of this Navarro report where he um, says it notes how President Trump's leads in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin were reversed by a flood of these mail-in and absentee ballots, and and just the way these numbers. I mean, Trump was ahead in six digits, six digit numbers, and miraculously it was overturned by just. Like in Georgia, eleven thousand was the Biden lead as of the fifteenth of December. Eleven thousand seven hundred. Uh, Pennsylvania went from five hundred fifty-five thousand lead vote lead for Trump on election night to eighty-one thousand. I mean, that's a six hundred and thirty thousand vote and they swing. were
1: and they were having those vote dumps at like four in the morning. Right. I mean they 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 quit the counting and then all of a sudden these vote dumps would come in yes. and they went almost exclusively for Biden and then a more you know which we've seen this happen so many times I mean cuz this isn't the first time this has been done on this scale and in this high profile of an election yes but remember in 2018 all those those races out in California yes. where they ended up taking over from some of the rep- Republicans out mm-hmm. there and it was like they kept going on counting for weeks on end. I think there's still one race out there they're still <laughs> counting on. Wow. And as it went on and on and on, you know, oh, gosh, we opened this drawer and here's another 30 ballots. And then it comes down and you win it by, oh, those 30 ballots. <laughs> and so um, there were so many anomalies going on at the same time as these margins kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking right. and that's one of you know there have been several different people that and um, that dr sheva from up in michigan no no, no i'm sorry he's in massachusetts because he's an mit guy but he's like a numbers cruncher a data analytical guy and there's been a lot of those different teams of those people going around and they're statisticians you know some type of, of data crunchers right. it people they all are coming at the problem a little bit differently from a little bit different mathematical perspective. Right. But it's amazing at how similar all the findings exactly. end up being. And i am one not of my- Not one
2: statistician or, or mathematician or uh, what's the other word I look for, but not one of them has said, no, this is perfectly normal. Yeah. This is all statistically normal.
1: And where are the people on the left who, if they believe that, why aren't they coming forward? Right. And that they're not—that kind of says something. Steve Bannon—I one of my passions these days has been war room pandemic, and I three hours a day, I'm pretty much there in the war room with them watching. <laughs> and Bannon—I mean, he's an interesting cat with just a real varied history in a lot of yeah. different areas. But one of the things was—I mean, he was a he was a Wall Street guy. He was a hedge fund guy, and he's talked about how he says I have friends who are you know, hedge fund guys. They're guys who their life is sitting watching numbers. And he said, a lot of them aren't Trump supporters. He said, and he said, you know, it doesn't mean they're all Biden supporters. He said a lot of them are just kind of politically agnostic. They're into their thing. And he said, but even the people who don't like Trump, they're like, I I watch numbers for a living. Right. These numbers never made sense when they were coming
2: in. It, it just doesn't. I mean, yeah. You can not yeah. You can like your guy, but you still have to scratch your head. I would be scratching my head if it was the exact opposite and Trump had gotten all these votes because I would be like, okay, Trump cheated. Because yeah. again, I'm not a, I'm not, I, I like Trump for a lot of reasons and I don't like Trump for a lot of reasons. Right. I mean, I, I'm not an anti-Trumper or anything like that, but um, I, I try to be very objective. I've been very objective in this election, but if it was the same way just because I'm sort of ambivalent, I would have thought that Trump cheated, just like I think that Biden cheated. Right. And,
1: And especially considering the nature of the election. Yes. You know, last time Hillary had hype behind her, And she had the cadre of enthusiastic supporters and the machine, even though she was a horrible
2: candidate. she also had the threat of death if you spoke out against her. True, true. Well,
1: that's always, yeah, that's always, you know, and I mean, history shows that that's a threat to be taken seriously. Uh, Ask Vince Foster, but I digress. Anyway, with that, you could see, okay, it was close, but you understood it was close. And Trump. Squeaked it out. It's but you know the way he squawk, squeaked it, squawked it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. was oh. with with the electoral college, and it just speaks to his electorate and all the red states versus Hillary and being there with the blue states. Right. And so it showed. You know this is something the Democrats have been lamenting now for the last four years. It showed the power of the electoral college.
2: Exactly. And, and that's a good thing. But now they like the Electoral College.
1: Right. <laughs> but here Biden, you know, we had this crazy, this crazy, crazy year. And the primary season, a fair amount of it went before the pandemic for the Chinese virus really kicked in that much. And he was doing horribly. He was doing absolutely horribly. And Bernie Sanders, once again, was actually doing pretty well. Yes, Biden was getting ready to his his candidacy was getting ready to tank and then the decision was made no we got to prop him up then we go into the pandemic and what campaigning is going on he's doing from his basement and you know I kind of understand why he didn't want to get out of that basement because that had to be mortifying to go out there to these drive-ins and have 12 people show up for you
2: yeah, and you see him even now with the—he did the uh, video after the Electoral College. He did a live sort of acceptance-type speech, and he had all of 4,000 viewers. Right,
1: right. A guy with
2: 80 million votes had 4,000 yeah. viewers.
1: Yeah, and, and so, you know, from that standpoint, it's like that makes even less sense. Right. Because it was such an anemic—it was such an anemic campaign and such an anemic response to him— that why would you think all those people were coming out? Right. And, I mean, it was embarrassing when Trump, we would have these boat parades, and here in our county, there were like 600 boats out.
2: I didn't even know there were that many our... boats around here. It was beautiful. Yeah.
1: We actually went up to a restaurant up there, had a great seat, and it was it was beautiful. I mean, my eyes were just kind of tearing up the whole time. And so the idea that Trump could have gotten— more votes than ever before, had made headways with all of these different you know, different voting blocks. That all makes perfect sense.
2: Right. Yeah, I don't know what we need to do to make this more, uh, I guess, less prone to being cheated. But, you know, I, again, I look back at Iraq, and when they went to vote, they'd have to dip their finger right. in this dye that, it just did not come off for like a week or two. Um, Actually, probably a little longer than that. I mean, it dyed your finger. So you knew you voted and you had to vote in person. So they would look at your finger and, uh, okay, you already voted goodbye. And you've got here, you've got dead voters and ghost voters in five out of the six swing states. In four out of the six swing states, you've got illegal out-of-state voters. In four out of the six states, you've got counting ballots multiple times. Um, four out of the six states fake ballot manufacturing and destruction of legally cast real ballots. And then, of course, you've got like some anomalies of bribery in Nevada and Arizona. And then you've got uh, ineligible voters and voters who voted in multiple states in Arizona, Georgia and Nevada. You know, what's interesting. I found out last election that I was still registered to vote in San Antonio, which was my home of record when I was in the military. And I kept trying to figure out why do I keep coming down on jury summons, jury duty um, for San Antonio, but yet I have yet to get a single jury duty here in my home county. And so I finally called him up and he says, well, yeah, you're registered to vote here. And I said,
1: And no. how long ago would that have been that you would have been registered there?
2: Oh, I've been registered there since 94, 93. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and every year my dad would tell me, he's like, hey, I got your voter, your registration card. Every year he, he you know, what do you want me to do with it? I'm like, well, just... Destroy it because I don't vote there. Right. I vote here. And, I mean, I could have voted in two different places.
1: Exactly. Oh, exactly.
2: I don't think like that.
1: Right. Right. Well, and I mean, and that's the thing that there was so much of that kind of stuff that was going on where if someone were looking to be untoward in a, in a election down there, they could go ahead and get a hold of that vote and cast it. Right. And there it is. You, All of a sudden now you would be one of those people that have voted in two different locations. Some cases, yes, I'm sure people are doing it purposely. Other cases, no, I wouldn't have even known it was happened because that was something else. You had cases, um, the family of an elderly man in a Georgia nursing home discovered that a mail-in ballot had been requested and submitted in his name without his consent. In Pennsylvania, two parents and their Down syndrome-afflicted daughter
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN. (sighs) Ah.
1: discovered that a mail-in ballot had been both requested and submitted for their daughter without her consent. They were finding a lot of harvesting going on around nursing homes.
2: I saw in Georgia or Georgia in Virginia where I go to law school and it's a it's a very rural area. I think the town is a thousand people total and I know personally of two individuals that that I talked to that went to vote and were told you've already voted by mail-in. No I didn't get a mail-in ballot. I'm, I'm here to personally vote. I always personally. These are older people. Right. I always vote in person. I voted in person for 50 years in one case and 36 years the other case. And yet, you know, here we are out. Right. In the boonies and this is happening.
1: And that's what up in um, the hearings up like in Michigan, in Wisconsin, you were having a lot of those people like that talk about that they took their parents to vote. You know, same type yeah. thing. They took their parents to vote.
2: And it's not hard to figure out because we, we talked about at the beginning of the show how you can get voter rolls very easily, which include names and addresses as well as party affiliation. on Right. That. And so if you have the money, I mean, it's really it's only like 100 bucks or something, I think. I can't remember what it was when I ran. But if you've got the money to go and buy that that stuff and you want to undermine the Republican vote because, you know, you're one of those liberals that party before people. Uh, Party before uh, liberty, or whatever. Then, you know, if I were in that criminal mindset, that's what I would do. I'd go and get all the Republican voters, and then start submitting an absentee ballot and requests. And who says
1: you have to even pay for it when you have an in with the uh, uh, true county voting officials? That
2: too. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. wish I did.
1: Well, and that's how, and that's how Stacey Abrams. You've got to wonder about all of these ballots now. I mean, she's registered another, I don't know, hundred thousand or more people. Just for this runoff election, which I was gratified to hear today that True the Vote has a group of volunteers that are now working there in Georgia to go in and validate who
2: those people are. And this drives me nuts. After this election, who's left that you haven't registered? Yeah. I mean, with the numbers that we saw, who is actually left that is not registered to vote in these Democrats st- and these, these states, these swing states? Because the Democrats went out there, but you look at the numbers and— we're talking record numbers of voters, sometimes in excess of the population, right? Uh, voting in yeah. these places. Yeah,
1: that's what happened in 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 um in Wayne County, Detroit. That the number of like there were several precincts that where they should have had they only had like seventy thousand people in a precinct that were that were registered to vote, but somehow or another they ended up with eighty five thousand votes. Yeah, nothing wrong there. <laughs> CNN, MSNBC, nothing to see. Oh, nothing to see there. It's been debunked. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, between all this, the outright voter fraud, the ballot mishandling, the contestable process fouls, the Equal Protection Clause, which does also remind me, I was very disappointed that our Supreme Court declined taking up that, the Texas case, which I don't know what to... You know this report now that John Roberts was screaming at the rest of the justices I don't know if that's true or not it certainly is a scenario that I could see happening but I will tell you that ever since this started really unfolding and we were seeing the problems in these states that's been one of my thoughts all along is I got screwed because here I'm in a state that we for the most part we did it
2: the right way yes yeah we have our problems take out Travis County and
1: yeah, exactly. We have we have our problems, but yeah, we we if they were largely fair. Look down in the valley; some of those counties where Trump did so well, you know, hey, that would seem to be. I don't think you could have cheated for Trump down there, right? So, kudos to the people down there that would seem like you know there could be a problem area, but that they did it the right way. So we, in general, did it the right way. But now our will is being circumvented because you have these people in these other six states who elected to not follow by their own rules. And yeah, I'm sorry, John Roberts. I would have liked for you to take a look at that because I now have, you know, I don't know, there aren't that many there. I don't think there's any institutions left that I can either become disappointed or feel contempt (laughs) toward. I think I'm there with all of them. Uh, the Supreme well, Court definitely sealed it with this one this time.
2: They they have just shown a lack of spunk or a lack of willingness to want to do anything unpopular. They, it's just cowardice. It's laziness, not wanting to address these issues. Trump has not—look, I know the, the mainstream media loves to say that Trump has lost all these lawsuits. No, he hasn't. Not he hasn't been able to present— his lawsuits exactly. They're just getting thrown out based on the nebulous standing uh, right. requirements of the courts. And I'll tell you, the I, I Alito and uh, Gorsuch and their dissent on these on this case and Thomas uh, was Thomas. I thought there's only two. Was seven. I, was, two. I think
1: it was Alito and Thomas.
2: Alito and Thomas. Well, uh, you know, when they said, "Look, the Constitution is very plain that a lawsuit between states this court has jurisdiction and this is texas suing. where else do you go yeah this is texas suing these states over the way that they they handle their elections because the the elections the the constitution says that the legislatures will determine the means by which uh, these elections take place the state legislatures not the secretary of state not the attorney general not the lieutenant governor or the governor or the election commission or anything like that no the legislature, And yet in almost all of these states, uh, you had these procedural uh, flaws that they did not go in accordance with the law. They they created these waivers or just said, we're not going to do it this way or we're going to give you an extra three days or whatever in violation of... That is, that's standing. Exactly. And it, for those who don't know that the the due process, or I'm sorry, the Equal Protection Clause, that, that comes from the 14th Amendment where no state shall deny the citizens... Or deny to any person with within its jurisdiction equal protection of a law. So any state that is treating one county different than other counties, just because for whatever reason, you know, throw in a reason, population, uh, color, income, doesn't matter. If you're treating one county different than any other county, that is a violation of the 14th Amendment because now you have different rights in a city like Atlanta than you would in Macon. Correct. And, and that's where this due pro or the equal protection comes from. I don't think that, one of the things I think Texas did do wrong is trying to make an equal protection argument in that case because it's only the state of people within that state's jurisdiction. So I have no standing to argue in Texas, but, or in, in Georgia, but anyone in Georgia does, but also the fact that the way that the outcome worked is, well, now our states are disenfranchised all these other states are disenfranchised that did it the right way. Exactly. It's the same reason why in the Olympics, if you dope, you get kicked out. And, and, and your win doesn't count. They take away your win, period, if you doped. Uh, because everybody needs to be treated equally. And right. every other athlete, even if, they did, even if they didn't come close to whoever that winner was that doped up, it doesn't matter. They were affected. And so it's the same concept. Well,
1: and and in talking about these cases being being dismissed for technic- technical reasons, Sean Parnell there in Pennsylvania, who was running against Connor Lamb, he's filed a case which Alito seemed to have signaled some.
2: See, he would have standing for sure,
1: right? But. What they said in their case, when it was first dismissed, it's him and um, the the representative from there that seems like a real good guy. Um, I can't think of his name offhand. But anyway, at first they were saying that they were too late in filing their suit because it needed to have been filed by such and such a date, but by the date they were saying it needed to be filed, he was a candidate, but the election hadn't taken place, and if he had filed it early, they would have said, well, there hadn't an election that's taken right. place. So you have, you've you suffered no harm.
2: Yeah. And, and elections are one of the few areas where the Supreme Court, you can bypass a lot of the uh, appellate courts because right. of the nature of the case. And elections are one of those small subset of exceptions of getting a case to the Supreme Court quicker. And yet the Supreme Court is just, just cowardly threw in all these off and decided, you know, we're not going to wade into that. And, and that might, there might be some beneficial beneficial reasons for that. I mean, uh, cause I I think if the, uh, honestly, if the Supreme court were to rule on that, they, it would overturn the election. And guess what? Now, now you still got 50% of the country pissed off at you because uh, Trump is still president and the Supreme court, Oh, it's all because of Trump. And the only reason that he won is because Trump picked three of the justices and Kind of a lose lose situation there, but still, the point of the Supreme Court is you obey the law. You're there to enforce the law, not what anybody thinks. And so,
1: and to your point about the courage, it's like yes, if you're not willing to take the heat, yes, then you don't need to be there.
2: What are they worried about getting fired?
1: Well, (laughs) or that oh, they're gonna have you know they're gonna have protesters outside their house. Well, you know what? Pack up the kids. Send them off somewhere when you know this decision is coming down. Send them off and say, you know, honey, this may not be the fairest thing, but this is what we have to do. This is what I have to do for my country. Yeah. Because in the history of our country, you think people haven't had to do far more difficult things. Right. And, you know, these people can have the protection. They're in a position as our governing elite. Yeah. They're going to have the resources for the protection, and so they need to be there. And I will tell you, I know we need to kind of wrap up this piece of it. But something else that's that's, as I sit here and I watch this stuff in Arizona and I watch in Pennsylvania and in Georgia. Oh, Brian Kemp, what a disaster! And look at these people, and I think they need to themselves man up, woman up, whatever, get some courage and do the right thing, make the hard decisions, take the heat. Mm. That's what you signed up for when you ran for office. But as I'm saying that, I look around, I drive down 35 and I drive by the office of my elected officials. And I think, you know, if we were in this fight, we'd be on the front lines because I frankly am not convinced. Ken Paxton can sit down there in Austin right now and file all these lawsuits. But if the shoe were on the other foot... I worry about the courage that we would see with our officials.
2: What I haven't seen and I would have liked to have seen is the courage that uh, the the people in um, the Battle of Athens had back in the, the early 50s when the politicians were doing this exact same stuff about stuffing ballots or stuffing ballot boxes And trying to keep out observers and all that and you know what happened our military veterans from World War two got in there they went down to the armory they grabbed their guns and they ensured that this election was fair in Athens uh, Tennessee where are those people today I'll tell you what if this was happening here in Bell County you better believe there probably be some militant stuff going on because we don't I don't know if we're gonna put up with that kind of stuff right here but I say that thinking, well, I would think Arizona and Georgia would have felt the same way as well, in Michigan, yeah, uh, or Wisconsin, even. Um, but really, look at look into what happened in the Battle of Athens, and it was it's the exact same thing that just happened in this election on a macro scale. Athens was just one town,
1: right, right.
2: But but you look at exactly everything that the sheriff there was doing, and what the poll workers were doing there to to keep out blacks from voting, to keep out the veterans from voting. Uh, to stuff the ballot boxes. They had separate ballot boxes. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. And
1: um, Nothing subtle about it.
2: Nothing subtle about it. And so the veterans got together and they, oh, no, we're going to have a fair election, by golly. Right. That's what we need to do. Yes. If, that's, if that's what's going on, people in Georgia, I don't know how many are listening from Georgia, but when they do this Senate race, it needs to be militant. Everybody needs to be out there watching as many people as possible and making sure this thing is fair.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I do not have a lot of a lot of hope for how that election is going to go down. But um, you know, we'll see, and we we hope for the best. I do hope people turn out and vote there. I do hope that, that yes. they do because we need all the votes possible so that in case we come down to another situation like this. But if finally the pressure builds to the point that. It said, okay, we have to go in and do real audits. We need to make sure we have our right. legal, credible votes into that system yeah, so that we don't lose the election because of ourselves. Right.
2: And if we lose those two seats, I mean, if we lose them fairly, we lose them fairly. Yeah. But if we lose those two seats, you're going to see a, a massive change in this government because they're going to do what Obama didn't do. They're going to recognize we need to get it done now right away. They're going to slam everything down. Um, down our throats as quickly as possible. And then it can't be overturned. I mean, look at Obamacare.
1: Right. Well, and, you know, it's time for a lot of these officials that have benefited from Trump to start showing some gumption and do that. I was laughing uh, yesterday on War Room. Ken Blackwell was on there, and he said, you know, the media and the political establishment want us to believe that the president had all these coattails, but no coat. Yeah. And he's right about those coattails. Those coattails have been wide and deep. Mm -hmm. And those people who have been on those coattails, they're the ones who first and foremost need to be standing up. And like in Georgia, in that case, I would put Brian Kemp, Kelly Loeffler, and David Perdue at the top of that list. Yes, And, um, you know, anybody who... Trump helped get into the election. If he ever mentioned you at a rally, you need to be there. That's right. You need to be there supporting him. Yes. And um, it it's going to be interesting to just to see how this all does. You know, I mean, I was thinking, somebody asked me the other day, you know, well, Biden, how many times has he run for president and lost? And I said three.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's the third one's going to have the asterisk by it. <laughs> <laughs> because he very well may be maybe brought into to office but
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company, the only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.
1: The one thing that I do also believe, and as scary, I agree with you that there could be a lot of things happening. The next two years would be the real rough and tumble years. Because they're going to be they would be scrapping to get as much done as possible because i think there is every likelihood that we can take over the house right in 2022 and so i think these next 2 years could be really really rough and tumble but you know that said i also you know i'm always reminded and i mean you're the star trek guy so you're the one who can quote this of when when kenobi dies and tells vader in death, I'll be far more powerful. Yeah, I'll be far
2: more powerful than you can imagine, yeah.
1: Yes. Well, that, I think, could be a post-45th presidency Donald Trump.
2: Oh, yeah. And, and think about what's going to happen in four years when Trump gets reelected. If, if, for whatever reason, this doesn't pan out, it will just—you have to wonder. I mean—
1: Well, and I think January 20th could possibly be— looked back on in the Biden family as the worst day of Joe Biden's life when it all comes down to it, if in fact this happens, because it's going to be the beginning of his end. Because as it is right now, you know the Harris administration is already planning for Mm -hmm. Biden's departure should they get into office. And this whole thing with the Hunter Biden investigation, if Trump puts together a special prosecutor... I think that the Harris wing of things is going to be happy to hang Joe Hunter, Dr. Jill Biden, right, Jim Biden, any of them out to dry to get them out of their hair once and for all.
2: She didn't like Biden. That, that was uh, very I, clear, very clearly. Yes. And yet he picked her and you got to wonder what's going on.
1: I, so, that may i i i question I even questioned it at the time that he was getting good counsel then, yeah, and that that he may have been getting or he may have been getting good counsel, but it wasn't for his benefit right right that it was very strategic so um however this comes down, which I pray daily that President Trump can prevail because I think he is i think he. You know, for the good and the bad, I do think he has the best interest of our nation at heart. But also, we need that so that we can at least have a confidence in our system.
2: And I'll agree with that. I, I think Trump is probably the only president I can think of in at least modern history that actually put America first. Um, my, my only problem with Trump is his liberty stuff. He, he didn't really do anything for liberty. He didn't expand liberty in any way whatsoever, uh, except for economic liberty, maybe. But everything else I love, I think every president is supposed to be America's president. We are the country you're representing, not these other countries. We come first. If you can't take care of Americans, we don't need to be taking care of foreign countries. And that's the one thing that Trump did exceptionally well. I and you know the media has made this out to be a a profanity but I prefer a nationalist someone that loves America more yes. than any other country and we should love this country more than any other yes. country there's a reason people and come here and it's
1: proud of this yes. country and 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 I mean you can just see the patriotism of these events right. and things and I think he has done a lot to help encourage America yes the rest of the country that it's okay to love your country yep it's good to wave a flag it is and that you know your eyes tear up with the star spangled banner or watching the thunderbirds go over the blue angels go over up in the sky that's a good thing
2: Uh, that and that, that doesn't
1: make us chinese trolls that makes us proud Americans.
2: That speech where he came out and he hugged the American flag, I don't know about most people probably thought it was corny. It touched me. Yes. That that meant something to me. There's a president that actually loves this country.
1: And he's genuine in it. And he's genuine That's the it. other yeah. thing. That's the other thing because there's too many of these people that they may try and do similar things like that and it just falls so flat. Yeah. With him, it's so genuine. And it's such a, for the hard, uh, raucous type of of image that they want to tell you that, oh, you know, and he's just so vulgar and so uncouth or whatever. And then you see that side of things and it's like, no, I mean, the press has just done so much to vilify him from an image standpoint. And when he's at those rallies, yeah, he can get very boastful and that kind of thing. But I also think that He's getting, he's loving seeing the crowd like it is. Yes, there is a narcissistic side of him, but it's also, I think he is excited to see people excited for the country as he is excited for the country. Agreed. One other quick thing that we talked about discussing was China. And that's something that he certainly, one more piece of things, especially in contrast to the Bidens with China being the threat that it continues being and growing seems like on almost a daily basis lately. Um, You said you had just some thoughts about historically how that and the election together. Yeah, so
2: I I joined the Army in 1994 and I came in as a signal intelligence uh, specialist and worked in uh, electronic intelligence communications and things like that. And so because of the nature of my... Clearance. We were always given briefings about what, what the threat is. Now I was a Spanish linguist, so my focused area was South America, okay. um, which certainly has its Chinese. Yes, it, it does. <laughs> uh, and that was the first five years of my career. And but even then, from ninety four to about two thousand, uh, we got I got briefed all the time on uh, the China and Russia threats of espionage and sedition treason and all that kind of stuff then I moved in after uh, the USS coal bombing in 2000 I switched jobs because I wanted to go more into counterterrorism and so I became a counterintelligence special agent and that's where I really started not only just getting these briefings as somebody with a clearance but somebody who took intelligence uh, collected intelligence uh, analyzed and disseminated intelligence and I also I was responsible now for briefing other units the Chinese threat, has always been the greatest threat at least as long as I, I mean for at least since 94 has always been the greatest uh, both strategic domestic uh, international and economic threat to this country and it's really weird to me because I give these briefings out and i, I remember these some of these numbers uh, I remember briefing specifically because it was just um, when I first learned of them was kind of eye-opening for me and that is of all Chinese students in the United States. Uh, now, again, this is, this is uh, early 2000s. I don't know if these numbers are still the same, but at least in the, into the 2000s, uh, these numbers were very accurate, that 30% of all Chinese students actually were here on behalf of the CCP as spies to get into academia, to get into engineering, to get into biomedicine, um, to get into all of these sensitive areas of American culture. I remember specifically briefing. I would have PowerPoint slides showing the the uh, Chinese space shuttle and compare it right next to our space shuttle, and how exactly they looked. Because why the Chinese stole our plans exactly. And the Chinese threat has been there forever, but yet all of a sudden it, it seems like only now politicians are starting to pay attention to this because it's become a political thing, and that kind of drives me nuts. Coming from a military background where uh, my, my job was to protect this country. The reason I was talking about the Chinese threat was because they were a threat to this country. Well, now they're talking about the Chinese threat because it's a threat to politicians. And I have problems with that. But also, I people need to kind of wake up. This isn't new. But I'm glad that we're talking about it now.
1: Well, and I, I at the time when you were doing that, Certainly the whole cyber aspect of it was becoming more and more a a component. Right. But there was a time when people are, all they would think about more were military threats. and And the the threat to our country was more about a physical threat, a military threat. And, oh, we didn't think that we were going to be like going to war, that China was going to show up on the coast of California. And, you know, set up San Francisco as a capital, although that— in ways that it's probably already (laughs) happened. Um, And so, you know, in the 2000s, this technology has done its explosion, the internet, and then what that's even done for commerce, that used to it was every, you know, big companies were the ones that, and then you'd have wholesalers who would bring goods over here. Well, now my daughter, for the business that she has, she orders from Alibaba. Right. And so we're. I get a lot seeing... of stuff from Wish.
2: Yeah. It all comes from China.
1: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. We were just discussing Wish last night. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that and technology and the TikTok and these apps and things like right. that, uh, these TVs, the fact that that TV sitting there and you know the CCP probably could be using it to hear what we're saying here real time, and so all those things, I think, are making it a little more real and making the threat seem you know before the threat was off somewhere yeah now the threat kind of is in my living room I mean we were having conversations we had some friends who recently got a rumba and we went over to their house and the rumba was mapping out the house and I was like oh so now the government you know the CCP now has a layout (laughs) of your house (laughs) and um but we're just we are seeing that Right. Constant and I mean that's with an article which we probably don't need to get into it today, but this article from this about this Secretary of State up in, up in Michigan who um, she's the one that's been so bad and so uncooperative in trying to get to the bottom of what was happening with their election up there. And here the national pulse and I'll put this up on the political um, political pursuit podcast on Facebook page. But anyway, she was going over to China helping to recruit Chinese students to come over here and, you know, students and professors so that they could go back and forth and have exchange programs. And so we could have exchange with the Chinese about legal protocols. Oh, yay.
2: And it just, I, I wonder what lessons have we not learned that we've, at least again maybe it's just because I, I was in the military environment maybe i feel like everyone else knew this information too but we haven't learned anything here but we what are. do we
1: want to learn from them um exe- organization and execution of civilian detention camps
2: right, exactly but i'm saying learning from the fact that these guys are an adversary right yeah they provide us with cheap products but why yes at what cost? Not only to the Chinese people, but the American people at what cost?
1: And what is the, it's so often talked about with them that they're playing the long game. What is the long-term consequence when we have allowed themselves, one of the few good things that has happened with this virus is it's made us aware of how dependent we allowed ourselves to become Mm -hmm. on the Chinese with regard to medications.
2: Right. Yep.
1: Now, every medication that I get now, I sit there and look at on the sheet of, you know, where it was made. But even in doing that, I don't know where all the ingredients have come from.
2: True,
1: And so, I mean, the dependency that we have, that we've allowed ourselves to go into the complacency, that is a scary thing. And I credit President Trump as having brought a lot of that. And again, I'm not laying awake at night worrying that the Chinese are going to come and just take over everything, but it's It's not going to be overt.
2: No, it's not. Everything they do is covert.
1: Right. And we see now, we see now we've been talking over these past days about the vaccine. And I certainly am not for a mandatory vaccine, but we were talking, I had sent my daughter a few weeks ago, articles about that um, Live Nation and some of the concerts were talking about if they were maybe toward the summer going to start trying to have the big shows, were you going to have to show proof of vaccination in order to come in?
2: I'm worried I'm to go back to law school, I'm going to have to show proof of vaccination. Well,
1: and that's what she was like. Well, you know what? What could you do that that you couldn't be counterfeited? And I said, well, that's the problem. Yeah, it would be like a driver's license or something. It would be some kind of government ID card with some kind of hologram or something embedded into it that it couldn't be. I said, but it would be government being involved, and with that more intrusion, where government all of a sudden has a hand in saying where you can and cannot go. Yeah, that's. So I just want again to say that the incremental record, moving into things that
2: I've taken all the COVID vaccines. I'm done, so I'm good. Oh, okay, <laughs> for my NSA listeners,
1: <laughs> there you go, there you go. Well, CJ, this has been great fun today.
2: Thank you for having me again. It's been we a will do
1: it. We will do it again before you head back out yep. to parts unknown. Uh, and meanwhile, let's just wish everybody a Merry Christmas.
2: Yes, Merry Christmas.
1: How it may not look the same as it has in the past. And despite everything that's going on this year, we still have a lot to be thankful for.
2: And not only that, just keep in mind you control Christmas, not the government. So you celebrate Christmas how you want to celebrate Christmas, regardless of what some government person tells you.
1: That's absolutely right. And meanwhile, let's just, 2021 is going to be better. And if we are going to have any government person telling us anything next year, let's hope it's a President Donald J.
2: Trump. Absolutely. Thanks again, Lillian.
1: Okay. Thank you. And to our listeners again, Merry Christmas. We'll definitely be talking with you in 2021. God bless the USA. Our best times are ahead.
0: Liberty Tabletop is America's flatware company. The only flatware that's manufactured in the U.S. of A. There are over 38 patterns to choose from. Like a couple of patterns and you can't decide, you can order a sample of each. And check out their website at libertytabletop.com and enter the promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. Just in time for you to freshen up your holiday table setting with Liberty Tabletop Flatware, manufactured in the United States. They make great wedding and Christmas gifts, too. Flatware that can be passed down for generations. So check out their website at LibertyTabletop.com and enter promo code BEN for 15% off all flatware. LibertyTabletop.com, promo code BEN.